Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 337 of the podcast. Today is Monday, November 6th. Time change came and went. Got an extra hour of sleep this weekend. Hope everybody remembered to uh, check the batteries and their smoke detectors. Uh, fun weekend of combat sports. Uh, we had uh, BKFC 53 on Friday, and then UFC Sao Paulo on Saturday. Um, I did get to watch the UFC. I didn't have a chance to do the episode yesterday. Um, and I was live in attendance for BKFC 53. It was so much fun. Uh, spent the night in Orlando, got to see some good friends, got to interview some great fighters, got to see some awesome fights. Uh, it was a really great time. Uh, so big thank you to BKFC for having me. Uh, they always treat me really well with the uh, press credentials and, and things like that. So I definitely appreciate uh, the opportunity. I think it's the, I think this is the sixth one I've done now uh, to go and, and cover it. Um, it. It was an awesome event. I really had a blast. I got to see some friends uh, from the fight community and otherwise I had my, my buddy Jimmy, who I went to college with happened to be in town for a conference. And, uh, he texted me and asked what I was doing that weekend. I told him I would be in Orlando and he was too. He was just staying a few minutes away. So he wound up getting tickets to the show. Um, my, my friend Bobby from the gym, shout out to Bobby. He was competing in the ADCC trials on Saturday. So he was going to be in town the night before because he had to be there for weigh-ins. He got a ticket. Um, my jiu-jitsu instructor, John Keller, uh, who just recently promoted me to Brown Belt, uh, was going to be there to coach Bobby at ADCC. So he got himself a ticket to the show. Uh, and my, my buddy Ryan, uh, accompanied me and uh, worked as my cameraman for the night. So shout out to Ryan. He did an awesome job, uh, helped me collect some interviews at the show. And of course, I got to see a bunch of my friends from the gym. J.R. Ridge, who you all know, who's been on the show many times. He was there. Uh, one of the fighters that he manages, Mike Heckert was there, who's also a buddy of mine, won his UFC, uh, BKFC debut. Um, and, of course, the main event, the big dog, Dave Redneck Mondell, who was on the show last week, uh, scores a second-round TKO victory over Doug Coltrane, retains his BKFC middleweight championship. Uh, so happy for that guy. Um, just such a, such a great dude and an awesome fighter. And I'm so happy to see him finally get some of the credit that he deserves. He's not getting enough yet, but he's getting there. So he main evented this card and, uh, I think it's on to bigger things. There was a little scuffle with Mike Perry at the end of the night where, you know, Dave called him out. He's been calling him out for a while. They have a history. They fought in MMA as amateurs here in the local Florida circuit. So Dave called him out. Mike Perry jumped over the barricade. 
and there was a little melee in the audience. I happened to be standing right behind Mike Perry while it happened. So I, I caught some of it on video. Uh, you may have seen that up on uh, YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, maybe Twitter. I don't remember if I posted it there or not. Um, but yeah, those, those clips kind of went crazy. Uh, it seems like anytime I post something with Mike Perry, it does, <laughs> it does pretty well. So, uh, luckily it didn't get too out of control. Nobody got hurt or anything, but, you know, hopefully we see those two get in there in the squared circle after, uh, Mike fights Eddie Alvarez in December. So if, if Mike is able to get the win over Eddie, uh, I can't see any other fight that would be next except for a fight with Dave. Um, so maybe they'll do that at the, the knuckle mania or something like that. Um, that would be great. Uh, Dave looked good. Uh, he finished a, an undefeated guy in Doug Coltrane and <clears throat> um, but you know, not without getting dinged up himself. He got caught with a jab pretty early on and his eye really started to swell up. So uh, he decided he had to hit the gas uh, and, and get dug out of there before the eye closed and the doctor had to come in and stop the fight. So that's what he did and put him down one minute, 23 seconds in the second round. So huge win for Dave. He's now eight and one in BKFC. And like, I'll tell you guys over and over again, that one loss was to Hector Lombard and <clears throat> it doesn't really count in my opinion. I think he won the fight and the fight was supposed to take place at 185 pounds. Hector weighed in at 214 pounds and said he wouldn't cut weight. Uh, Dave didn't have any choice. He had to take that fight, lost a close decision. Um, but I still maintain he won that fight three rounds too. So he should be undefeated in BKFC, but nonetheless, he's on, he's the undisputed champion. So congrats to Dave. Um, I was definitely happy for him. And um, I went to his after party, which uh, took place at Dave and Buster's. <laughs> um, it, and it, it was a good time. It was, it was like the most old man after party you could have after a combat sports event. But uh all Dave wanted to do was was eat some fried food after a long training camp. So how could you deny him that? And Dave and Buster's was one of the few places that was open late in Orlando. So uh, that's where we met up, and you know, good conversations with good people, um, and and it was a great night. It really was. Um, <clears throat> it was a great way to to cap the night off. So I stayed at a hotel that was connected to the Orange County Convention Center, which is where the event took place. And this happened totally by accident because I was just Googling hotels and I saw a hotel that looked like it was very close to the, the uh, convention center. So I was hoping I would be able to walk there. I didn't know it was like literally connected to it. So they had a walking path that went from the hotel to the convention center. The convention center is enormous. It takes like 15, 20 minutes to walk from end to end. And there's different rooms and I think three floors. So it, it's, it's gigantic. It, 
it's pretty easy to navigate once you know kind of the layout. You know, the, the buildings are labeled A, B, C, D, E, I think. And there's just different there's just different rooms. Some of them are small conference rooms and some of them are huge event spaces. So also going on last weekend was Mr. Olympia, which I didn't really realize at the time. So a lot of people, <clears throat> a lot of people staying at the hotel I was at were there for Mr. Olympia. There were some enormous human beings walking around. Um, and I'm not a big guy, as Mark is, is kindly pointing out here. Uh, <laughs> he says, Bill, I've been meaning to ask, are you four foot tall or are your sparring partners eight feet tall? I noticed a height discrepancy in a recent post. Listen, I, I like to make people look good. That's what I'm in the business of doing. So I bring a step stool for people to stand on while I'm interviewing them because I like to put people up on a pedestal um, and, and it makes them feel better about being on camera, boost their confidence a little bit. All right. So um, I, I'm not as short as I appear on, on television or maybe I am, you know, the world may never know. <laughs> no, but um, I, I do train with some, with some gigantic people. Um, you guys may have seen, I posted a video the other day <clears throat> hitting pads with my buddy Byron at the gym. Byron is, I think six foot six. <clears throat> and he may be taller than that. Um, <laughs> Matt Temple says he gives his students Ron DeSantis shoes. Oh yeah, he had, he was caught wearing those platform shoes, wasn't he? At least Mark started out with a compliment. Let me post this compliment here. Bill is fast becoming the sports premier interviewer slash reporter. I appreciate that. I don't really consider myself a reporter. I guess I go to the events and I report on them, but you know, I'm doing it with a beer in my hand. I'm not, you know, I'm not looking to be uh, Ariel Hawani or Brett Okamoto or one of these guys. Um, I look at it more as like, I'm there hanging out and <clears throat> I'm talking to people, but I guess what I do could be considered reporting since, you know, I'm observing things and then I'm telling an audience about it. So yeah, I guess in that regard, I'm a reporter. I'm just one that, um, you know, does it drinking booze and uh i have more of a laid-back style i guess uh, and i don't take myself too seriously i guess that's what i associate with the term reporter is like people who take themselves really serious not that that's a bad thing um but i just don't and that's uh that's kind of always been my thing i guess that's the appeal of the show right <clears throat> as i'm like kind of losing my voice here in any case, like I said, um, like I said earlier, my buddy was in town. Um, my my friend Jimmy from college, uh, and then he went to the show, and then he came back to Tampa. So we went to dinner last night, and then uh, 
killed a bottle of scotch uh, talking about old times and, and things like that. So that's why there was no episode last night. Uh, I was, I was not in, in any state uh, to be recording an episode, you know, and that's saying a lot because I've been on here doing live shows pretty banged up in the past. I don't know if you guys have noticed or not. And speaking of which, uh, I want to bring your attention to the drink of choice for the weekend. This is what I brought with me to the hotel where all these gigantic humans were staying. Um, probably none of them were drinking alcohol. So, um, you know, we had to pick up the slack. So Milliman Green uh, Triple Cask Bourbon. So this is a bourbon blend, which I'm typically not a fan of blends. but this whiskey is excellent. It's it's called a triple cask, which is kind of confusing because that usually means they age it in different types of casks. Like, you know, a, some of the whiskey will come from casks that were in, yeah, that had sherry in them or port or, you know, charred oak or whatever the case. Um, the This whiskey has three different whiskeys in it that were all aged in new charred American oak. They were just aged in three different states. I believe it's Tennessee, Kentucky, and Texas, if memory serves correct. Uh, this is an awesome fall whiskey. I kind of bought it on a whim because it was it was on sale. And I had heard good things about Milliman Green. And I had been wanting to try some of their stuff out. Triple cask sounded appealing to me. Uh, it was 10 bucks off uh, here at Lucan's in Tampa. And man, I was not disappointed. As you can tell, uh, the boys and I did some work on this bottle over the weekend. It was a, it was a big hit. Uh, it's real sweet. I hate using the word smooth um, to describe whiskey, but it's very drinkable at... 47% alcohol, uh, 94 proof. Uh, it, it's definitely very drinkable. Um, it's, it's sweet, but not overpowering sweet. It's, it's kind of like a, like it's got a, a pastry taste to it, you know, like, like real, like fresh baked pastries that have, that have some little bit of sugar in them. Um, Definitely a lot of oakiness, great fall flavors in there too. Baking spices, things like that, uh, caramel. Uh, it's it's really a delicious whiskey. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, and it was a, it was a big hit with with my buddies while we were in Orlando. So you gotta you gotta travel with good whiskey because a lot of times you go to these events and you know it's just it's just cheap beer. <clears throat> and stuff like that so you gotta have a nice you gotta have a nice drink before going to the event matt temple says that i was this bkfc's lead reporter <laughs> that may be true um i i don't know if i saw other um other quote-unquote reporters there there was there was a bunch of, of photographers there um I wound up having a good conversation with a with a photographer that actually ended up living just a town over from me back 
you know, on this side of Florida. Um, and he was, he was taking some great pictures for combat press. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of photographers there. Uh, the press setup was a little odd for this one. Um, you know, people with the, with the press badges were not allowed backstage, uh, where the fighters were and, um, which is unusual. And they were kind of set off in an area off to the side and there was no video recordings allowed of the fights. Uh, so anything I filmed, I did it outside of the, of the arena where, you know, they had it kind of curtained off. So you go outside the curtain and that's where they had the merchandise boots and the bars and, and things like that. Um, a couple of hiccups early on where the computer system went down. So anybody who had a digital ticket wasn't able to get in. There was a long line going down the hallway of the convention center with a lot of angry people who, you know, were just itching to get inside and see some violence. Now, I don't know if that was on BKFC or if that was something with the venue um, where the internet wasn't working, but man, they had a lot of unhappy people getting in there to kick off this event. But, uh, luckily, the fight's delivered. So, like I said, Dave uh, defended his middleweight championship in the main event. Co-main event, Julian Lane in a, in a bloody fight. Surprise, surprise. Uh, he gets a TKO win in the third round against Murat Kazgan. Um, and <clears throat> that was an interesting fight. Like we were talking about last week, Julian missed weight, and his reasoning was that BKFC had a mandatory weigh-in the day before weigh-ins, and Julian claims that their scale was four pounds light. Um, not a great excuse, because then he went home and saw that he weighed four pounds heavier and decided to just cut to the number on the BKFC scale um, instead of just, you know... <laughs> finding finding something that he knew how much it weighed and putting it on his scale to see if it was accurate. But in any case, uh, he, he winds up getting the TKO victory there. And then shout out to Mike Hecker, won his BKFC debut. Uh, it seems like he may have broken his hand or something, uh, but he defeated Scott Lampert, who was also making his BKFC debut, dropped him three times in the first round, and then Scott's corner told him if he gets dropped one more time, they were going to throw in the towel. So he got dropped 53 seconds into the second round and his corner went ahead and shut it down. Uh, I got a chance to interview Mike after his fight. Very happy for that guy. Um, I know how much work he's put in the gym, uh, trained with him the last few years. Uh, and happy for J.R. Ridge too. He started his own management company and I believe Mike is his first fighter under his brand. So, um, yeah, congratulations to both of them uh, on that. And then I did end up talking to Scott Lampert as well. And it turns out that that guy is hilarious. So he was, he was walking around, um, uh, walking around the bathrooms behind the backstage area. And I happened to see him and um, we, we grabbed him for a quick interview because, 
you know, why not? And I got to say, he had the funniest interview of the night. And I haven't posted it yet. Um, I'm still uh, in the process of editing that one. Uh, but <laughs> I am going to throw that one up. Um, it, the guy is just like, I, he's the kind of person, I don't think he even means to be funny, but he, his responses are just so quick and so genuine. They, they just really had me laughing. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you guys. Let's see. Cook's Auto World says, BKFC lead reporter for sure. Hannah Goldie interview was fire. Well, I appreciate that, my man. And you were my honorary cameraman that night. So I suppose you deserve some credit as well. Although we could have been zoomed in a little tighter on the uh, on the Hannah Goldie interview. Um, yeah, I talked. I spoke with Hannah Goldie. You may remember her from the UFC. She's currently not under contract with any promotion. And I guess the BKFC invited her there. And they're in talks. So she may possibly be getting into squared circle in the near future uh i'll share some more clips from that interview as well uh because so far the only thing i've shared is she predicted the main event the result and the round uh she said dave mundell would get the the finish in round two and that's exactly what happened so mystic hannah goldie we'll call her um yeah and other than that I think there was only one fight the entire night that went to the judges and it turned out to be a majority draw. And that was Ravon Baxter and Diego Romo. Every other fight was a KO or TKO and only two of those fights went to the third round. So, I mean, if you like big finishes, uh, BKFC, is the place for you. It's like Chris Lytle said uh, when I had him on the show a few weeks ago. He's like, you know, people are bare knuckle fans and they don't even realize it uh, because all they want to see is big knockouts and they don't want to see people stalling with the grappling and stuff like that. I'm not one of those people, but I know there are a lot of those people out there. So, you know, consider tuning into BKFC. Consider going to a live event. You know, if they happen to be in your area, I, I definitely encourage it. It's a it's a great time. Uh, it, it's one of those things where when it comes to MMA and the UFC specifically, I prefer watching it at home um, as opposed to going to the event live. You know, obviously the UFC does a phenomenal job. They have great production and all that. But yeah, I just like to sit home and and relax and, and watch the fights. Uh, Bare Knuckle, I enjoy it by far more in person. Uh, it just has, it has a different vibe to it. And my friend Jimmy made a great point uh, when he was telling me why he loved the night so much. He said, it's like going to a UFC event in 1993. And that really resonated with me because he hit the nail on the head. It really is like that. You know, you're seeing, you, you get to see a sport in its infancy and you get to see it growing and developing. And sometimes you see fighters that like probably shouldn't be at the pro level. 
Um, and but then you also get to see really experienced fighters, um, you know, showcasing their talent as well. So I love that analogy, and it really makes it like that much more of a special event. Uh, thinking of it that way, it's like attending a UFC in 1993. So very cool, awesome time. And uh, yeah, I will say. The, uh, the physiques on these Mr. Olympia uh, men and women are very impressive, but it almost looks like uncomfortable. Like they have so much muscle on them. You know, it looks as if they can't scratch their back or, or, even, or even move comfortably. It looks like it hurts to walk. Because I guess they lift weights so much. And it it's an interesting lifestyle. They have to be so dedicated. They have to eat a thousand calories every 90 minutes or whatever they do. Um, but yeah, definitely impressive. It was interesting on Saturday because Saturday I tried to go to the ADCC jiu-jitsu tournament. But uh, I didn't end up getting in because I, I had to head back to Tampa. But it was interesting seeing, like, all the jiu-jitsu physiques walking around and then all the bodybuilding physiques. And everybody was kind of in one place. And you could tell who was there for what. So it was top-notch people watching, uh, as it often is in Orlando. But uh, this is uh, a unique experience for sure. You see you know, all the, all the bodybuilders and then all the kind of like scrawny, nerdy looking jujitsu people. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I was half hoping for like a gang war to break out and who would, who would prevail all the jujitsu pr practitioners or all the gargantuan, uh, bodybuilders. It would have been interesting for sure. Uh, I wouldn't have picked sides personally. I would have just filmed it and been a spectator. Uh, even though I'm a longtime Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner and I don't necessarily enjoy lifting weights or do it at all, uh, I still wouldn't pick a side in that one. I would just kind of let it happen. So excommunicate me from the Jiu-Jitsu community, if you will, but that's where I stand with that. Let's talk a little UFC, shall we? UFC Sao Paulo. Uh, the main event was interesting. Jaelton Almeida pretty much shut out Derek Lewis. And it, it was strange. Uh, credit to Almeida for, one, being able to take Derek Lewis down and, two, being able to control him on the ground because not a lot of people have been able to do that. So he definitely deserves recognition for that. However, he didn't do really any damage. Um, his ground and pound was not effective. Uh, he had a guy in Derek Lewis who basically, once his butt hit the canvas, he just allowed Almeida to pass his guard. It's almost like Derek Lewis prefers to get up from being mounted as opposed to recovering his guard and getting up the traditional way. He just kind of, he puts his knees up and just lets people pass his guard. And if you look back at his 
at his fights. That's kind of what he what he's always done. He, he did it with Roy Nelson, or he would he would let Roy pass his guard and just kind of bench press him off. But Almeida was able to control him, but that's all he was pretty much able to do. Um, you know, he wasn't able to submit him, obviously, and he, you know, he wasn't really doing much damage at all. But uh, the fact that he was able to hold him down is impressive because Derek Lewis is a big boy. I think he weighed in at 260-something, and he had a big size advantage on Almeida. So I think it was like 30-something pounds. Yeah, Almeida weighs 236. So Derek Lewis had about 30 pounds on him. So the fact that Almeida was able to get him down and hold him down is super impressive because the, the size makes a big difference for grappling. Uh, you know, was it was it a, a call all your friends and talk about it kind of performance? No, but it, it definitely established Gilton Almeida as a heavyweight contender. And I'm really interested to see you know, how he kind of fits into this division because there's not a whole lot of grapplers. You know, Curtis Blades would be interesting. You know, I don't think he'd, with, you know, Almeida's wrestling looked good against Derek Lewis, but it wasn't super technical. He was just kind of able to get Derek off balance and drag him to the ground. He would not be able to do that against someone like Curtis Blades. Uh, he may be able to take down Tom Aspinall, but Tom Aspinall may have some of the best jujitsu in the heavyweight division. So that would be an interesting matchup as well. Um, and then, huh, you know, how does it go uh, against like someone like Volkov, who's really long and can keep him at bay, um, and who also has good takedown defense? So it'll be interesting to see you know, how he kind of plays into this division. And we could take a look real quick at where he might fit in there. And, I mean, he's he's not taking John Jones down, so you could just kind of get that out of your head right now. Um, yeah, what would be an interesting matchup for him? Uh, maybe, like, a Marcin Tabora would be interesting. Because Marcin is is very well rounded, I think that would be a good test. Oh, I'm looking here. Almeida is actually ranked above Tabora, so and I don't know if this is updated. They have Jalton Almeida at number nine and Derek Lewis at ten, so I don't know if that's as of Saturday night. Um, Sergey Spivak would be interesting with Almeida because he's also a very uh, very capable grappler. So, you know, we'll see. As for Derek Lewis, you know, they could put him in there with anybody next and, and people will watch. Uh, you know, we were talking about last week. Um, if, if you guys watched the uh, Picks on the Rocks episode, which airs exclusively on YouTube, so don't forget about that. Uh, if you're an audio-only listener, make sure you get over to YouTube and subscribe. Turn on your notifications so you catch the Thursday night episodes where my buddy Matt the Mechanic comes on and makes fight picks as I criticize him for them. Um, and we have a great time. But we were talking about how Derek Lewis is the post-fight greatest of all time. And how and Matt said that 
he works with a bunch of casual fans and they only watch the big fights and every time Derek Lewis fights they're talking about it so which is understandable because the guy yeah, has crazy knockout power and he's hilarious so totally makes sense all right co-main event this one I mean last week Matt and I were talking about you know who had more potential for an upset and he was between Nicholas Dalby and Derek Lewis and I thought Derek Lewis had more potential for an upset just because Almeida had to survive 25 minutes uh, in which, you know, Derek could end it with one shot. Uh, however, I didn't dislike Dalby's chances, but I didn't think it would go down like this. I thought maybe he would weather the storm from Gabriel Bonfim and then, you know, edge out a close decision. But uh, he took a beating from Bonfim in that first round and really did weather the storm. And then he flipped a switch and just decided like, all right, I'm going to give this beating right back to you. And Bonfim just emptied the tank in the first round. Uh, he didn't have enough left to defend himself. So Dalby was able to get him out of there with the TKO uh, at the end of the second round. What an impressive performance. I mean, to go into enemy territory like that, uh, going to Sao Paulo, uh, fighting this young Brazilian stud uh, in, in front of his hometown who was undefeated and taking the beating that he took in that first round to come back and get the win. What a huge accomplishment for Nicholas Dalby. Um, so, so impressed with that guy, especially since I found out like, I think today or later this week, he turns 39 years old. Let me look this up. Okay. So November 16th, he's going to be 39. So that's even more impressive. He went in there and, <laughs> and whipped up this young uh, Brazilian who was 15 and 0, I think, with all these first round finishes, survived that first round. And that's what happens sometimes with these guys that, um, you know, they have so many, they have so many quick finishes and then they hit a certain level and it just gets too hard to do uh, because, you know, once, once guys are able to weather the storm, uh, then they can kind of pick apart. Um, let's see, Rodrigo Nascimento. Unanimous decision over Dante Almeida. Uh, this was the the story of this one was the the hand speed of Nascimento. I mean, last time they fought, Nascimento uh, submitted Dante Almeida. This time, the the fight was mostly on the feet, and Nascimento just had much faster hands. Dante was fighting with his hands down most of the time, and when they got into the clinch. Dante mostly didn't have an answer unless he was the one engaging in the, in the clinch, initiating the clinch rather. Uh, he was able to land some clean shots, but for the most part, once Nascimento got his hands on Dante, uh, he was able to do a lot of damage there. So he comes away with the unanimous decision. Uh, Cal Baralo, unanimous decision over Abu Magomedov. Um, Elvis Brenner, 
impressive first round knockout over Kanan Kruskuski. Um, yeah, this kid has a lot of hype behind him. 26 years old. All right, he's 15 and three. Five fight win streak. Um, and yeah, he's got he's got back to back knockouts in the UFC. The last one uh, back in July against Garam Kuchaladze. Uh, yeah, so he's somebody to keep an eye on. <clears throat> I thought that the fight of the night for me was this one. It was Elizu Zaleski dos Santos and Renat Fakradinov. Uh, Fakradinov was just throwing haymakers for 15 minutes. Uh, uh, and I, I'm definitely okay with the decision here because Fakhradinov, um, won the first two rounds, I think fairly cleanly. And then, uh, Dos Santos in the third round hit Fakhradinov with a body shot and then was just beating the shit out of him. So that was a 10, eight round. Um, so that would bring you to a draw. And um, I was cool with it. They were cool with it. And I thought it was the best fight of the night. It was so entertaining. So if you guys missed that one, uh, go back and check it out. Um, you know, both of these guys are, are going to be solid competitors in the welterweight div division. Um, and Fakhra Dinov is, and for different reasons, like those Santos is a little more reserved and, and technical. And Fakhradinov just gets in there and just windmill punches and tries to take people's heads off. So it's fun. Uh, Vitor Petrino with the second round uh, knockout over Modestus Bukowskis. <clears throat> so that's a huge win uh, for Petrino because Bukowskis is a tough dude. He's, <clears throat> he's hard to finish. So um, mostly a great night. For the Brazilians, I mean, except for Gabriel Bonfim, I think <clears throat> he may have been the only Brazilian to lose on the card. Oh, unless Denise Gomez is Brazilian. Uh, she lost the decision to Angela Hill, who was just tenacious. Okay, so two Brazilians lost on this card, but still pretty good. Uh, Eduardo Mora. TKO over Montserrat Ruiz. <clears throat> uh, I did not catch that one. And then Mark DeCasey with a uh, split decision win over Cal Fernandez. And Cal, <clears throat> part of uh, Matt the Mechanics parlay last week. So that's that. That was UFC Sao Paulo. Um, you know, it was a decent card. Solid action. Um, and there were some fun fights. Like I said, the Dos Santos and Fakhradinov fight was pretty crazy. And it pretty understandable that it ended in a draw as well. All right. So Thursday, <coughs> we're going to... Um, we're going to take a deeper dive into UFC 295. I'm so excited for this card. This main event 
is the dream matchup that I've wanted since Alex Perea came to the UFC. After, um, after the first fight with Izzy, I was saying all I want is for him to move up to light heavyweight and fight Yuri Prohaska. Um, so I'm finally going to get my wish. And uh, I, I'm so excited for this fight. I, I don't know who's going to win. Uh, they're, they're both very unorthodox. They both have an extreme amount of power. I, I mean, I can't see this one going the full five rounds. I really can't. But the most important thing is that it is Matt Steamroller Frivola fight week. Of course, Matt Frivola, longtime friend of the show, uh, used to train down here in Tampa, frequently comes back to train at Gracie Tampa South. Now he's at Longo Weidman MMA. Uh, just another great dude who he, you know, I will always support. And he's got an exciting test in front of him in Benoit Saint-Denis. Uh, these are two guys that are both wild men in there. And I think we're going to see a fight similar to uh, Steamroller's fight with Drew Dober, uh, where it's just going to be it, it's just going to be a gunfight. And whoever lands first is going to win. Uh, it, it's going to be guaranteed violence. It's going to be guaranteed excitement. And I, I can't wait. Uh, I, I always love watching Steamroller fight. Uh, even if, you know, even if I didn't uh, consider him a friend, I, I think he's still one of the most exciting guys on the roster. Um, you know, dating all the way back to his amazing fight with Lando Venata, which if you've never seen it, that's one of the wildest fights in UFC history. And I may be a little bit biased, but, Go back and watch it, and you guys tell me. Um, he's one of three uh, law MMA fighters on this card. There's also Nazim Sadikov, uh, who's going to take on Vyacheslav Borishev. And the last teammate is Denis Bazukia, who is going to fight Jamal Enners in the opening fight on the card. This is at Madison Square Garden, so... This is where all these guys from New York dream about fighting. Uh, I grew up in New York, so I understand, you know, the importance of Madison Square Garden. It's, you know, when you're in New York, it's the biggest stage. It really is. All the all the biggest events happen at the Garden. Um, so it's awesome for these guys to be able to experience that who live in New York. And then the co-main event's going to be awesome. Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall. I love that fight. Um, I, I got to imagine. So that's going to be for the interim heavyweight title, which is weird because they have it as a co-main event. You would think fighting for a title would be the main event, but I'm not mad at it because Prohaska and Padea is a more exciting fight, in my opinion. So. They made the right call. Uh, Diego Lopez and Pat Sabatini is a fun fight. Jessica Andrade and Mackenzie Dern. 
Very interesting fight. Uh, Jessica Andrade having a rough go of it lately. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we know she's got the kind of power where uh, she can put any straw weight on the planet out cold, uh, which is a super uncommon ability for that weight class. Um, what else we got going on here? Jared Gordon and Marco Madsen. That would be an interesting fight. And uh, we'll go a little more in detail on this one um, <clears throat> on Thursday. And I think we'll wait to talk about some of the news. Dana White just announced a bunch of title fights today. So maybe we'll we'll wait till Thursday to go over those things. Um, yeah. So keep an eye on social media. I'm, I'm going to be posting more, um, more of the interviews from BKFC. I uh, was able to get some really great content while I was there. I had such an awesome time. Um, you know, it was, it was a really fun weekend seeing all the Mr. Olympia, uh, people walking around with their gigantic backs. <laughs> it was it was weird. I felt like I, I almost felt like I was walking around on a different planet. It was it was uh definitely an interesting experience. I had such a great time. Um <laughs> Matt says that everyone should inform everyone should tune in Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube. Bill will give a detailed breakdown and I will give uninformed betting advice. <laughs> we do have a lot of fun uh, with, with this Thursday episode. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about how Matt is now 0-4 on his predictions. So you may want to reverse engineer your betting. Tune into the show and learn how to not bet on fights uh, so that you can win some money maybe. Uh, if you guys want to grab some merchandise, Reaper, uh, Team Reaper, reaper1.co is the website. You can use the promo code MMARocks10. As always, I'll put all the links in the show notes. You can grab yourself an over-the-top, under-the-influence um, T-shirt, tank top, or hoodie. Uh, we're well into hoodie season, even in Florida here. It's, uh, it's been a little chilly in the mornings. Uh, so make sure you grab yourself one of those. I always recommend buying two. Because you know your girlfriend is going to steal one. Of course she's going to want an MMA on the Rocks hoodie. Why wouldn't she? They're comfortable. And, uh, you know, they make a statement about the the kind of uh, content you ingest on the internet. Well, I appreciate all of you who tune in. I appreciate everybody who is interacting with the social media. Um, you know, I've really been putting an effort the last few months to post a lot more content and I've been getting a lot of great feedback on it. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep going with it and, and try to keep coming up with new ideas, new cocktail recipes and more interviews and, you know, just more MMA on the rocks. And I appreciate everybody who tunes in and everybody who leaves comments and shares the episodes and shares the social media stuff and leaves feedback and, and even who leaves criticism. I'm definitely open to criticism. I always have been. And uh, I hear it all. So even if I don't respond to everything, you know, I'm seeing it all and I appreciate it all. And that's all I got. So until next time.
Cheers, everybody. Bye.